Dave and Ryan's movie review and action. Everyone loves going to the movies. And while some are amazing, some are awful. Fortunately, we have Dave and Ryan, two guys with nothing better to do than watch movies of today and movies of yesterday. So get your popcorn ready, silence your phones, and relax, because the show is about to begin. Cue Dave and Ryan in three, two, one. It's Dave and Ryan's movie review. Sponsored by Nobody. Welcome in, my friends, to the fun that never ends. That's right. Dave and Ryan's movie review 38. The fun zone. Take 38. Before we get started, we got some news the other day. We, I have to share. Uh-oh. And, you know, apparently we're big in Denmark. Yeah. We, we, we found out the other day we have the number 76 ranked movie review show for podcasts in Denmark. How do you say hello in Denmark? Hello. Do they speak 86% English? of people in Denmark speak English. I can, looked it up. Can you do it with the uh, with an accent? I, I don't know what a Dane accent would be. Hello. Hey, hello. <laughs> no, that's Italian. We just we just insulted half of Europe. <laughs> probably, but the other thing that's funny about it is, uh, as I was reading, yes, 86% of the population of Denmark speak English, and they are actually taught English as a second language. Really? Yes, in school. So it's like Spanish... Or French for us, even though none of us ever learn it. Who knew? I blame the school system. <laughs> I would as well. I took two years of Spanish, and I can order food at Taco Bell, and that's about it. Well, that's good, I guess. Yeah. Not for me. Uh, can I get the, the Kitos and the uh, Chalupa? <laughs> I need a chick. I need a Tequila. Yeah. My, I, I bring my friend Moses with me. He's like, none of those are real words. None of them. <laughs> Not a one. Not a one. All right, so we've got a lot to get into today. You ready? Let's do it. All right, before we do anything, we got to go to Hollywood. Welcome to Hollywood Boulevard, a place of glitz, glamour, and dreams. Just kidding. This place is a dump. That's why Dave and Ryan come here each week. You get the news from Hollywood without fearing for your life on the Walk of Fame. It's This Week in Hollywood. All right, so lots to talk about this week. The Fantastic Four cast has finally been revealed. All right, so... Take three. That's right. The <laughs> casting for the upcoming Fantastic Four reboot, retry, redo, whatever you want to call it, has finally been revealed, and they revealed it on Valentine's Day. Pedro Pascal, of course, The Mandalorian and The Last of Us, has been cast as Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic. Vanessa Kirby, she's getting a lot, you know, she's got a lot of roles lately, yeah. big ones. Uh, she was in Mission Impossible. She was in Napoleon. She will take on the role of Sue Storm, the Invisible Woman. Uh, Joseph Quinn. You may not know Joseph Quinn unless you watch Stranger Things. Eddie Munson from Stranger Things has been cast as Johnny Storm, the Human Torch. And last but not least, Ibon Moss Bakra, the bear. He's on the bear. He's, he's Richie on the bear. Okay. Okay. Uh, he is Ben Grimm, the thing. The casting comes after at least, I think, at least a year of speculation. Yeah. As to who. I mean, we've heard everybody from John Krasinski well, I to... Um, Killian Murphy to I mean they're throwing names at this thing. Yeah, well, well they've been talking about doing an, an, a reboot since the last flop. The last one since the last one flop. Yeah. Yes, that's very very true. Uh this rendition of the Fantastic 4 will hit screens July 25th, 2025. Mm. So I'm uh, looking at that. Uh, the first one was okay. 
Second one had a great story because of the fact that the Silver Surfer was in it. I was going to say that was the Silver Surfer one. Yeah. Well, that and they had Captain America playing Johnny. Yeah, just, so they had to restart everything. <laughs> and then the last reboot that I, I what is it, Miles Teller, uh, I think was Reed, Reed Richards. Yeah, yeah. It, Michael it, B. Jordan was the, ho- the Human was, Torch. It, yeah, it was not a very good movie. It was not, not good. Not good at all. Now, the big one that we're still waiting for for the casting for this one is the villain, Dr. Doom. And there are big names that are being thrown around for that one. Everyone from, once again, Killian Murphy is being thrown around for that. So they are going um, with Dr. Doom uh, yep. again? Mads Mikkelsen has been thrown Isn't out there, there for that. villain? That's their main villain. I so, know. And then um, just still. today, just today, I saw Ben Mendelsohn wants to play Dr. Doom in the Fantastic Four. Mm. So we'll see how that goes. They sh- I think they should get Sasha Baron Cohen. <laughs> okay. We're going to leave it at that. Um, another could you Marvel. Just imagine. Uh, yes. Yes, I could. I could imagine a lot. My wife. I can imagine a lot. All right. Another Marvel movie Deadpool and Wolverine breaks oh, records. Oh, my gosh. The first trailer for the much anticipated and strike delayed Deadpool and Wolverine movie starring Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman was viewed by 365 million people in the first 24 hours it was available. Um, That breaks a record that was previously held by another Marvel film, Spider-Man No Way Home, which uh, held the record of 355.5 million in 24 hours. This last Sunday, when when the trailer came on, my nephew leaped out of his chair. He was in a recliner, and he leaped all the way out to run to get closer to the TV just to see the teaser. It, it was crazy. And all yeah, and then you go in and look at the video. I was I'll I'll be honest about the trailer. I mean, yes, I understand they want to save some because mm-hmm. that's probably one of the biggest complaints. Yeah, I I don't like it when the trailer has all the good parts in it. Right. Um you rarely you barely 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 saw Wolverine in it. Yeah, well because you know there's a lot of talk about the different variants, you know, they're talking about Daniel Radcliffe being in it as a variant of Wolverine. So I think they're just trying to tease people and then maybe maybe the, everyone will just be disappointed that none of it right. happened or maybe they'll be amazed and happy that everything happened right and at the very end of the the trailer when uh deadpool goes flying through the wall and someone comes over to stand over him and he's like you want to just help me up and and you all you see is claws and i told my wife i said that right there reminds me of a planes trains and automobiles moment <laughs> and if you've seen planes trains and automobiles you know exactly what moment i'm talking about <laughs> Yes. All right, so there's there's that. That's one is going to hit theaters once again in July. All right, the weekend box office number five, Wonka, still holding in there. Still strong. there, three point one million dollars brings its total to two hundred five point two. Uh, the Chosen just edged out Wonka a little bit. This is uh, season four, episodes one through four, three point one million. Uh, just a little bit more than Wonka though, twelve point five million in its run. The Beekeeper still out there, three point four million. Uh, with fifty four point seven million, I would like to see that movie become a franchise because, like I said when we reviewed it, the story—I love the story. I think the story is pretty cool. Yeah, I think they could have w- dived in a little more with the story, but you know, they—they they needed to get through it. Yes, you know, they—they so, they didn't really dive into the organization that much. Right, but I would love to see another one. Yeah, I really would. Uh, Lisa Frankenstein, you and I talked about this, uh, written by Diablo Cody, who mm-hmm. wrote Juno. Yeah, If you haven't seen Juno, that's a great movie. Uh, but it was directed by Robin Williams' daughter, Zelda Williams. Yep. 
So, and this is getting pretty good reviews as well. And then the number one, Argyle. Now, Arr- we're planning on doing a review next week for that one, I do yes. believe. Argyle may, pulled in $6.5 million, brings its total to $28.8 million. Uh, the Henry Cavill, Sam Rockwell, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Brian Cranston, Catherine O'Hara, Bryce Dallas Howard. I, I know I'm forgetting. So John Cena. I mean, they're all there. And, yep. uh, and it's brought to us by Matthew Vaughn, who uh, wrote and directed The Kingsman. I'm really looking forward to that movie. Yeah, the action so, seems really cool. Yes, Matthew Vaughn knows how to do that one that right. Yeah. He can really shoot an action movie. So we'll review Argyle next week. All right, before we get to the rest of it, we've got an honest movie review. Welcome into another honest movie review. Today, we go back to 2016 for the comedy fantasy reboot of Ghostbusters, starring Melissa McCarthy. We have dedicated our whole lives to studying the paranormal. Now there's sightings all over the city. There are people out there that need our help. Get out of my friend, ghost! Ow, that's gonna leave a mark! The power of pain compels you! I saw this movie on an airplane and still walked out. I can't wait to speak with you again next week. Yeah, this movie is so bad that they don't even count it as a Ghostbuster movie anymore. I can't stand Melissa McCarthy. I understand. I get that. I have yet to see her in a movie. Well, I take that back. There is one movie out there, and I can't remember don't the name Cammy. of it. Don't say No, Cammy. it's not. It's, it's her, and it's Bill Murray. And I believe it's like St. Charles or something like that. But okay. Bill Murray is the neighbor, her neighbor. She's a single mom. Bill Murray is the neighbor and he's retired and he offers to help her watch her son after school. Okay. So it's really a story about her son and Bill Murray yeah. hanging out together. Like, like I can handle her as a side character. Yeah. Like she was really good in Bridesmaid. Uh-huh. But like when she's the star of the movie, it's you know it's just like the same thing with Will Ferrell. It's too over the top for me. Well, not only that, she's the same character and everything. Yeah, just yeah, like but, Will Ferrell. But this one's pretty good, and it kind of gives her a little chance to to be a little bit more somber and a little bit more serious role. So I've, if you get the opportunity, I believe it's called Saint Charles. But I'll it's, check it out. It's Bill Murray and her, and it's it's a pretty good flick. All right, coming up, we went and saw Mo- uh, Madam Web this week. This is an interesting movie. We're going to get more into that. And the thing that really threw me from this, it's a superhero movie, and Ryan rated it higher than I did. We'll talk about that coming up. Well, we all make mistakes. It happens. (laughs) And then while we're on the subject of female superheroes, we're going to talk about a few female-led superhero movies, and then uh, we'll revisit another older segment and uh, kind of freshen it up and bring a movie into it. Does it hold up? There are movies out there that people loved when they came out. Yes. But is it still, can you, can you put it on and enjoy it today? That's what, that's what we'll be talking about as well. All right. When we come back, we'll be reviewing Madam Web. So stick around. Everyone on set, shut up. Shut up. These two buffoons are about to talk about a new release. Dave and Ryan's movie review segment one. Action. What's more exciting than a brand new release to the movie theater? According to Dave and Ryan, nothing. They're the first to see it, so you're the first to hear about it. 
All right, so this week we went and saw Madam Web. Madam Web. PG-13, hour 57 minutes, stars Dakota Johnson in the lead role. Sydney Sweeney will be one of your spider women. Isabel Merced is a spider girl. Adam Scott as Ben Parker. And Emma Roberts is in this movie playing Peter Parker's mother. Um, basically, it deals with Cassandra Webb, who develops the powers to see the future. Uh, she's forced to conf- confront revelations about her past. She forgives, forges a relationship with three young women bound for powerful destinies if they can all survive a deadly present. And meaning like present right now, not a gift, I guess I should say. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, what it all boils down to is Cassandra, her mother was in the Amazon rainforest, and it starts in, what was it, 1973? Yeah, 73. 73. Her mother's a scientist in the Amazon rainforest, and she's down trying to track down this spider. Yes. And she finally does track down this spider, and that's when this guy named Ezekiel Sims, write that name down because it will come in handy later, decides that he wants to steal it to for his own needs and his own wants. Yep. Um, but what he does not realize is that there is a faction, I guess you could say, of people in the rainforests called spider people. Yeah, well, they're more like um, like myths. Yes, but they can you know walk on trees and without their hands, they can climb through treetops and run across treetops and everything like that. But anyway, so he steals this spider, and in the process, he shoots Cassandra's mom while she is pregnant with her. Yeah. That's when the spider tribe or spider people take her to their leader, so to yeah, speak, and, I guess. And, and these spider people aren't like like Spider-Man like we know. Right. Like they 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 only, they only get like there's three different powers that they can get. Right. And they're a tribe is yeah. what it boils down to. So what they do is they take her to their leader. The leader has this spider that she's been looking for bite her hopefully thinking that it can revive her and bring her back Yeah, because a bite's supposed to give you like the superpowers or whatever right but it does not it was too late but for her for her uh but cassandra is born there yes and the tribe leader kind of just talks to her as a child and says you know whenever you're ready i will be here now we fast forward 30 years and it's 2003 yep uh, Cassandra works in in New York City with Ben Parker. Yes, it is that Ben Parker. And she is a ambulance driver. She's a paramedic. Yeah. And she starts having all these weird, what she thinks at the time are hallucinations. Yeah. But when she starts to figure them out, she's actually seeing glimpses of the near future. Yeah. Well, well, how it all start kickstarted her powers, basically, is she died for like three minutes. They were on a call and... Uh, they got this guy out of a car who's which was hanging over a bridge, and she got locked in the car and fell into the water, and she was dead for three minutes, and that's how basically it kickstarted her this, power. This traumatic incident kickstarted her powers, yeah. and then that's when she started seeing like visions. She thought, you know, she was going to post traumatic stress or something, but it turns out that um, it was like a serious case of deja vu. Yep. So it really was kind of like a Cassie tingle. Sure. Sort of. Well, the weird thing about this movie is they couldn't make any reference to Spider-Man at all. No. And so you don't, they don't say... Because he doesn't exist. Yeah, they call him Ben. They don't ever say his last name, but you know who he is. Um, he, uh, they, you know, they don't say Peter. 
oh, well, you're going to learn the baby's name at the game, and then they never say anything. And so, you know, and that was the whole deal with Sony and Marvel Studios. They were, you know, they were working together, but they weren't working together. Like, oh, you can make this movie, but you can't do this, 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 or this. And the other thing about it, too, is, is he's there. His mom's just pregnant with him at the time. Yeah. And he's in his mom's belly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Peter is there. but Kind of. Kind of. But anyway, Mr. Sims is... Uh, has these powers and he can see the future as well. And he sees three girls killing him. Yep. And so he decides he's going to track these three girls down and kill them before they have the chance to kill him. Yeah, it, it was very smart of them to put this around 2003. It was right, you know, right, right at, you know, it was after nine 11. It's when the, they were having that, uh, 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 what was the NSA, the facial recognition software. Yeah, the facial software. recognition software. That's when it was all certain. And that ties into the movie. as how he finds uh, these three girls that he only saw in his visions. Right. And the other weird, strange thing about the whole deal is the fact that they're all, the, the three girls are actually in one form or another tied to Cassandra as well. Yeah. Because they all know each other from a different spot. Yeah. So it... it Here's the the thing about this movie. And I mean, that's just the setup. Okay. That's what I said. This movie is very difficult to follow. Yeah. It gets really confusing. It gets really confusing and it jumps around a lot because you see something and then you realize about 20 seconds later that it's a vision and it's something that's going to happen in the future and she's going to try and change it. And it's, you've got all that. Um, the other thing too, is that I want to warn people don't go to this movie thinking that it's a Spider-Man movie. Yeah, because you will be very disappointed. It is not a Spider-Man movie. They're all characters that are in the same you know, universe as Spider-Man, but it is not a Spider-Man movie. And, you know, the action in it's really good. I will say that. Um, I'm, I'm not saying anything negative because I, it, I, I thought it was a good movie. We talked about the acting, and it is great. Everybody's really good in the movie, except for the villain. Yeah. And we believe that there is possibly... I haven't looked it up yet, so I don't have anything to back it up with paperwork, but we believe that there is a Sofia Coppola in Godfather 3 situation going on with Ezekiel Sims. And for those of you that don't get that reference, in the movie The Godfather 3, Sofia Coppola plays Al Pacino's daughter. Yeah. And they and it, but her dad was Francis Ford Coppola, the director. He directed her in this movie. Now, they filmed and shot the whole movie and her dialogue and her audio track of her speech every time she talked in the movie was so bad that they had to go in and hire another actress to dub in her voice. Yep. And that's what it seems like happens with the guy in this movie. Yeah. You never see his mouth move. And like, even when he's having like a full blown conversation with someone, his mouth is, it's like they minimum CGI'd his mouth kind of like opening and closing. Yeah. So that, that bothered me about the movie. Everything else yeah. was okay. Really? Yeah, well, some, some of the CGI was was bad. Like, I even called it out at the very beginning of the movie. I was like, that that was bad. When the spider people were running through the trees, it was bad. And so so since, since they couldn't use, like, the traditional Spider-Man type of angles and stuff like that with the movie, they did, like, weird camera angles with, like, they tilt the camera sideways and swoop it around and spin it and stuff. And it just, it, 
it was a little nauseating, honestly, to watch. Uh, the one thing that I will say, too, is, and I'm interested to get and see, dig into this and see what Marvel had to say about that. Um, Ezekiel Sims, the villain, wears a pretty similar Spider-Man costume. Cut, yeah. In fact, I think, and, and maybe that was, if is that part of the marketing that they put him in this costume? And, and so people would look at it and say, oh, Spider-Man's in this. Yeah, like it kind of it, it wasn't exactly like a like a like a venom costume, but it was kind of venomous ish. You know, it was black, but it had like weird things on it. It was black and it had red highlights on it. Yeah. Uh, the the mask was almost basically the same. Yeah. So uh, for all of this, after wading through it, I, I I gave this two and a half buckets of popcorn. It is a good movie. It really is. But there are just certain things like like I said, don't go into this movie thinking that it's a Spider-Man movie. If you're going to go see this movie, do your homework. Yeah. Look up Madam Web, search her, search all these other names, uh search search the the characters that Sydney Sweeney and Isabella Merced play and and there's another girl in there whose name escapes me right now. Search their names, see who they are in the Marvel universe so you know what you're getting yourself into. It is a good movie. It really and truly is. I enjoyed it. But there are so many things that are sideways in this movie, not just the camera angles, that I had to give this one two and a half buckets of popcorn. Yeah, and you know the cinematography in this movie was was uh, fairly good too, too as well. Honestly, you know it was set in two thousand three, and it actually felt like a two thousand three early early two thousands late nineties uh, type of action movie. That's that's how it looked. Um, and you might be wondering, well, what do you mean? That's how it looked. Well, go watch old 90s, late 90s to early 2000s action movies and look at the different lighting and you'll compare and they look the same. Yeah, look at the action in it and they, yeah. they are. They do. They compare the same. In fact, when you brought it up yesterday, that's what I said. I said, well, maybe that's what they were going for. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. So I honestly, I, I gave this uh, three buckets, uh, even though it probably didn't deserve it. <laughs> that's, a, that's what I'm saying, man. That's probably one of the first superhero movies that Ryan has rated higher than I have. I know it's it's going to be a weird year. <laughs> <laughs> As you said, we all make mistakes. <laughs> we all make mistakes. So in in that vein, so we're talking about, you know, a female-led superhero movie. When we come back, we're going to share with you some of our favorites and maybe one that's not so much my favorite. Yeah, okay. We'll talk about those as when we return here on Dave and Ryan's Movie Review. Hey, idiots. We're back from commercial. Dave and Ryan's movie review segment two and action. So while we're talking about Madam Web, we thought we would you know talk about some female-led superhero movies because there are some out there. There truly are. There's probably more than you think. Some of them are good and some of them are not so good. And I'm going to talk about one that's not so good. But Ryan's going to get us started with maybe like the the Holy Grail, the crowning jewel, as far as as female superhero movies are concerned. So go ahead and take it away. Well, I wouldn't call it the Holy Grail. It is a very, very good one, though. Uh, I went with Wonder Woman. Came out in 2017. It's rated PG-13. And it's uh, basically uh, Wonder Woman's origin story about how she grew up on uh, their is- on the island of uh, the Amazons. The Mascara. Yes. Thank you, Dave. You're welcome. Um, so basically, uh, and she, you know, she's the only child there, and she grows up there. And then uh, when she's older, um, she sees a plane come in because uh, they're protected by, uh, it's not like a force field, it's like a mirage, kind of, so no one can ever find them. And uh, 
They crash on. <laughs> Who are you flipping off? Who else would I be flipping off? Uh, okay, we should probably start that yeah. over. Okay. <clears throat> So I went with uh, Wonder Woman, Dave. Uh, came out in 2017, rated PG-13. This is an origin story for Wonder Woman uh, about how she grows up. And then um, she, as when she gets uh, older, um, a plane from uh, World War II, I believe. Is it two or is it one? Might be one because she was in World War II. Yeah. So uh, a plane crashes, which was flown by Chris Pine. And uh, basically, <laughs> and basically, uh, uh, the Germans come into the little protective island area where they are to uh, follow the plane, and that's where the Amazons uh, basically kill all of them and destroy their uh, uh, submarine and all that. And basically, Chris Pine is held captive until they can figure out what to do with him. Well, she helped Princess Diana helps him escape, and basically uh, goes out into the world to help. The human race. And so I'm pretty sure it's World War One. Okay. I think. I could be horribly wrong. But uh, this stars uh, uh, Gail Godot. Godot. Yeah, I always say that wrong. That's okay. You'll know her from Fast and the Furious, Date Night, Keeping Up with the Joneses, and Red Notice. Chris Pine, obviously, uh, from Smoking Aces, Star Trek. Uh, this means war, rise of the guardians, and wish. He was great in wish. He he was. He was the evil uh, sorcerer there. Uh, this also stars Robin White. Right, uh, you'll know her from the Princess Bride. She was Princess Buttercup. Great movie. Moneybag, Blade Runner, twenty forty nine, and House of Cards. You ever see House of Cards? I have. That is a great, great show. Series. Yeah. Great series. Uh, Rob, uh, Danny Hudson's in this. Uh, you'll know him from Yellowstone. The Constant Gardener, uh, Marie Antoinette, 30 Days of Night, and David Fizdale. Thwizzle? Thulis. Thulis. I always get these names wrong. It's all right. Yeah, but you'll know him from Dragonheart. If it, you know, that, uh, Dragonheart is a classic classic. You know, he played the little young prince there who basically got the Dragonheart and turned into a little weasel. He was also in The Big Lebowski, uh, Kingdom of Heaven, and Harry Potter. Everyone know him from Harry Potter. He was Harry's... He was Lupin. Yeah, he was his godfather? No, I don't believe he was his godfather. He, I think Sirius Black was his godfather. Yeah, okay, yeah. But he was, yeah, he was a teacher for a moment. Yeah, for, yeah, he, he was, but he That's, was a werewolf. And I was going to say, spoiler alert, he's a werewolf. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I'll tell you what about this movie. I loved this movie. And it seems like we were just talking about this movie with Jordan the other day. Yeah. And Jordan said... I did not want to go see this movie, but after I got done with it, I was like, that was a good movie. It is. It's a very good movie. You know, I was probably the same way. You know, I don't, I was like, I don't want to see, you know, I'm really not a DC fan. So when it's like, oh, Wonder Woman, uh, you know, but then especially an origin story. But then we were like, oh, it's Gal Gadot. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Davis was like, I already bought tickets. Yes. Dirty Dave, dirty, dirty Dave. <laughs> but no, I, I thought it was a great movie. Probably one of the better DC movies, I would honestly say. Yeah, definitely. If it's, not the best. Yeah. If you take compared the, to all the take, other ones, I'm gonna say take the take the Nolan trilogy out. Yeah. Okay, I'm talking about just this recent rash of DC plays. Yeah, well, well, it's the DC universe that they were trying to create. Right. That that those movies. Yeah. So, but no, it was it was a good one. It was okay. 
I love that movie. I love that movie. Now I want to talk about a movie that I didn't love. <laughs> oh, let's hear it. All right. I, you would think with a cast like Uma Thurman, Luke Wilson, and Anna Faris, and Rain, John, Rain Wilson, if you're into The Office, you know him as Dwight Schrute. Uh, my super ex-girlfriend came out in 2006, rated PG-13, one hour, 36 minutes long. Uh, when a regular guy dumps a superhero for her neediness, <laughs> she uses her powers to make his life a living hell. Uh, this movie received a 40% critic score and a 31% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, $22.5 million domestic, $61 million worldwide with a $30 million budget. Another person that I didn't mention that's in this is Eddie Izzard, is the super villain in this movie. Um, the funniest part of this whole movie, and I'm going to ruin it for everybody, when she checks, when she uh, catches Luke Wilson and Anna Faris together after Uma Thurman and Luke Wilson have broke up, Uma Thurman in her superhero persona throws a great white shark through the window of Anna Faris's apartment. Yeah, and the shark chases them <laughs> around the op- the apartment. Yeah, that's probably the that's only probably good part. the funniest part. Uh, it's, you would like I said with a cast like that, you would think it would be a lot better. It is not. Um, I was very, very unimpressed with Uma Thurman's and and Luke Wilson. God love them. Yeah, well, well you, you, you said was, something about the Wilson brothers yesterday when we were yeah, talking about this well, movie. This, this is, you know, this is early two thousand six. So, you know, Anna, Anna Ferris and Luke Wilson, they were still kind of new in the game. They were. Now, Anna Ferris was still doing like mock mock movies, like spoof movies. Yeah, but yeah, but with Luke Wilson, you know, their whole family is kind of known for like a certain type of uh, dumbfound acting, where right. like the guy who's like. Wow, what's wow. going on here? Wow. You know, but and even Uma Thurman couldn't save this movie. They all overacted yeah, in look, this movie. Was, it's was, over the this top. This was before Kill Bill, wasn't it? Oh yes, definitely before Kill Bill. But it was all over the top. It just was not a great film. I did not enjoy this. I watched it purely for this reason. I thought it was going to be a lot funnier than it was. Dave just went through the motions. I did. <laughs> I, I thought it was going to be a lot funnier than it was. The next time somebody asked me if I want to see my super ex-girlfriend, I'm going to tell them not tonight. I've got a headache. That's all I've got to say about it. Take it away. <laughs> all righty. So my next movie is actually on Netflix. It came out in actually this last year, 2023, rated PG. Um, it's the animated field, uh, Mimona. It, you know, it's based off of a graphic novel by uh, N.D. Stevenson. And it is uh, kind of a wander over yonder, DuckTales, She-Ra, and the Princess Power. Those are things that he also uh, worked on. Um, basically, it's, uh, you know, about a, a being who... Um, is in this world where it's kind of like a medieval type of world where she doesn't have any friends, uh, no one to play with. And she meets a young girl and, um, basically she saves her from, uh, I believe she fell out of a, out of a tree and she was going to hurt herself and she's able to shape shift. So she shape shift to, you know, save her friend. And, um, instead of being frightened, she accepted her. And so, you know, they go on being friends until uh, one day um, she is in the shape of a bear and uh, her friend's riding on top of her and she's taking her back to her village. Well, the villagers don't know she it can do all that. And they just see her on a bear. And so they come out to, you know, kill the bear. But, you know, she shapeshifts and says, oh, no, it's me. And then they're even more freaked out because now it's a monster. 
And so they're going to kill her again and basically kind of uh, force her friend to turn on her. And then she's kind of shunned and she's, you know, she's living alone. And then like many, many, many years later, um, her friend is kind of uh, elevated to uh, uh, kind of like the savior, the first, the first hero of the, the kingdom. Um, you know, it goes from like a little simple farm to like, uh, like a scientific medieval type of uh, society. They have like flying cars and stuff like that, but they're, they're all confined to this, uh, this kingdom that no one's allowed outside of the walls and they train people to be monster slayers. And uh, basically um, you can only be a monster slaver slayer if you're a noble. And there's uh, this one knight who's not a noble basically kind of, um, for, uh, you know, he went the hard way to work his, in there and he gets framed for killing the queen and he uh naomi uh sorry nimona uh becomes friends with him and she you know she wants to be a bad guy you know she's the evil sidekick and at the end of the movie you know uh, basically uh she saves everyone in the kingdom from the the crazy um she uh she's she's um kind of like a pope character like she's in charge of the church and all this you know to make sure everyone's safe she she basically saves the kingdom from her craziness and so she's a, the pope she's a, the pope <laughs> but you know it's a great great movie um you know it stars uh Chloe grace uh mortez you'll know her from kick-ass the fifth wave hugo and dark shadows ritz amazine is from rogue one nightcrawler and venom Eugene Lee Yang from The Try Guys and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Francis uh, Conroy from Sleepless in Seattle, The Avatar, and How I Met Your Mother. So, great movie. I definitely, I, I told you, you you're probably going to want to see this with your kids. Yep, I, I have not watched it yet. I will watch it, and, and I'll report back to you. Yeah, I will write a report on it. I expect a three-page double space. Absolutely. College I, rule. I will take care of that for okay. you. Okay, uh, the final one we're going to talk about is Black Widow. This one came out in 2021, rated PG 13, two hours and 14 minutes, a little long in the tooth. Stars Scarlett Johansson, uh, Florence Pugh, David Harbour, and Rachel Weisz. Uh, Scarlett Johansson's Natasha Romanoff confronts the darker parts of her ledger when a dangerous conspiracy with ties to her past arises. This one had a 79% critic score, 91% audience score. Uh, made $183 million domestic, $379 million worldwide on a $200 million budget, which isn't too bad, really. Um, <clears throat> here's the thing where it starts to get a little strange for this movie. It was a dual release. It released in theaters uh, July 8th. It was supposed to actually release May 1st. And then Disney Plus on July 9th. This was a COVID time uh, release. Johansson filed a lawsuit against Disney for a breach of contract, claiming as an executive producer she was promised a theater-only release, and Disney decided to put it on Disney Plus at the same time. Um, it hurt box office numbers as well as her payday as the executive producer. She settled out of court and was beginning. Then that was really the beginning of the end for Disney CEO Bob Chapek at that time. So this movie is actually very, very good. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it very much. It is, it's great because it gives you a little glimpse into Natasha's backstory because you don't really know that much about her. 
It deals with the Red Room. It deals with the person that created her. Um, it deals with the Budapest incident that her and Clint Barton seem to talk about all the time that nobody knows what's going on. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of great things that come out of this movie. David Harbour's character as her father figure uh, was it was, it was a red was Red Guardian, yeah. and that's basically the Russian version or equivalent of Captain America. Yeah. Um, her sister Florence Pugh is another Black Widow. You come to find out that Natasha is not the only Black Widow. Mm-hmm. There are groups of them and legions of them around the world. And they're all trained to be these assassins that can step in at any moment and be triggered to take out whoever you want them to take out. Um, it also introduced the character, the Taskmaster. Now, this one was kind of a flip because it's a gender swap because the Taskmaster in Marvel Comics is a guy. And in this one, it is uh, Drakov's daughter. And, and those of you that maybe can remember uh, the conversation between Loki and and uh, Black Widow in the first Avengers movie, he mentions Drakov's daughter. Yeah. And it's a really good movie. It sets up a lot of other things. Um, you know, two or three of the characters, four actually, one, two, three, four characters in this movie are going to be in the upcoming Thunderbolts movie. Uh, that's Red Guardian will be in it. Taskmaster will be in it. Uh, Florence Pugh's character will be in it as will Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who comes in at the very end of the movie when uh, she is, when Florence Pugh is going to visit Natasha's grave. Yeah, they, she was also in uh, Hawkeye, the yes, TV series. That's, and that's where this, that all started, yeah. was she was, you know, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is going to be the leader of the Thunderbolts. And those of you that are wondering, well, what's the Thunderbolts? The Thunderbolts are basically DC's answer to the Suicide Squad. Yeah. You'll have, as I said, Red Guardian, uh, Florence Pugh's Black Widow, the Taskmaster, Ghost from Ant-Man and the Wasp, and then you will have also um, uh, Bucky Barnes will be in this, and it's just, uh, it is a group of villains, supposedly, or anti-heroes, I guess we could say, that go out and do things that the government doesn't want to tell other people that they can do. They actually filmed part of it in uh, down by Moab. And when it's when it for to get it ready for its release, Harrison Ford is in this movie as well. So that's going to be a big one. But this one kind of sets that one up as well. Yeah. So I enjoyed this movie. I don't think it deserved the hate and the vitriol that it got because it really is a great movie, especially if you wanted to know more about Natasha Romanoff. Yeah, well, I I, you know, it was uh, the first female movie for Marvel. It's, uh, you know, I know they talked about doing a... um, Black Widow movie for a long while, and they kept pushing it back and pushing it back and pushing it back, and then oh no, so so actually, um, uh, I think, Mar- I think Marvels, I think Captain missed, Marvel, yeah, came Captain out Marvel came out one. first, but it wasn't supposed to, right? And so I think with the success of uh, Captain Marvel, that's why they greenlit the Black Widow, right. even though you know all the other original uh, Avengers basically had some sort of. Solo movie. Yeah, ex- you know, except for Black Widow and Hawkeye. Ha- and, you know, Hawkeye still hasn't got a movie. He got a TV series. An amazing TV series, yes. if you ask me. So there you go. If you're if you're looking these up, uh, Black Widow, I found on Disney+. Plus. Um, my super ex-girlfriend, I believe, was on there as well because it's on Hulu. You said Nimona was on... Netflix. Netflix, and Wonder Woman is on Max right now. Yes. So go check them out, give them a watch, and uh, enjoy. Unless you're watching My Super Ex-Girlfriend. 
I'm just going to say that. All right, coming up, does it hold up? We've got a couple of movies that we're going to talk about that we might take a little bit of uh, ribbing for because they're, some people may consider these movies classic. Coming up. All right, imbeciles. Everyone quiet down. Dave and Ryan's movie review, segment three, and action. Every now and then, something comes out and makes a huge impact. And sometimes that impact ages like a fine wine. And others, we just really want to forget. Like all the times we laughed at the Cosby show. Hmm. So tonight, Dave and Ryan will dig up a movie from the past, and they'll answer this really uncomfortable question. Does it hold up? All right, final segment. Does it hold up? Well, I've got a classic, and I think I might get in trouble for what I'm about to say. And Ryan's got kind of a classic, too, so we'll dive right into him. My movie is Ferris Bueller's Day Off, 1986, PG-13, hour 43 minutes, founded on Paramount+. Plus. And, of course, everybody knows the story of Ferris Bueller, a popular high school student admired by his peers, decides to take a day off from school and goes to extreme lengths to pull it off, much to the chagrin of his principal, who will do anything to catch him. Ed <laughs> Rooney. Of course, it stars Matthew Broderick, probably the movie that put him on the map. Yeah. Um, Mia Sarah as the girlfriend. Alan Rook as Cameron, the poor, sickly, hypochondriac friend. Uh, Jennifer Grey as, as Ferris's sister. Here's my question. Could it happen today? No. There's absolutely no way this could happen at no. all. I mean, it, stealing the dad's probably million-dollar Ferrari Back then, it wasn't probably a million dollars. It was probably high sixes, but now I'm sure million dollar Ferrari driving into school, getting your walking outside and just having the school turn over your girlfriend so that you can go out and spend the day and have a, a great day on TV, no less, because they go to a Cubs game. It's part of a parade. I mean, this would be plastered all over the place. Is it still funny? There are parts of it that are still funny now, I, I think. But there's just no way that Ferris Bueller could enjoy his day off the way he did back in 1986. What was going on that day? What day was that? There's a baseball game. There's a giant parade. People are still in school. What was going on? Right? Everything. Everything. And the other th person that's in this, they snuck him in. And I believe it may be his first role, Charlie Sheen. Yeah, is is the delinquent at the at the the police station. Little did they know then. But I, I like I said, I I will still sit and watch the movie. But there's no way that it could happen now no. with cell phones and the way people look and and see. And somebody would see these three kids out in Chicago right now and post it on Facebook. I swear, I promise you. It would be out there, and they'd be asking where are their parents. Like, what kind like, of parent lets a kid do this? Like with with, with a modern day version, you know, you know, um, they'd have to get around all the cameras they have now at school, and yeah, and, you know, getting you know getting excuse from school, you know, was a little lot, a lot harder than just calling in, right? And like I said, there's nobody, there's not one school right now that the principal would walk the kid out to the front steps. Yeah. And allow them to just walk and get in a car of somebody that they didn't even know. Yep. Not going to happen now. No. So does it hold up? No. Is it still an okay movie? Yeah. I'll watch it every time I see it on TV. Yeah. All right. So it, it's a good movie, but it's just, I, I don't think it, it's, it lasts. Let's put it that way. I love you, John Hughes. 
you know, don't take anything negative away from this. But yeah, just I don't think it would stood up. Your turn. All right. So I went with the original Tron movie. This came out in 1982, the year before I was born. It's rated PG. Uh, starring Jeff Bridges. You'll know him. Everybody knows Jeff Bridges. If you don't know Jeff Bridges, shame on you. You know, he was in Starman, Wild Beard. He's the Fearless. dude. Yeah, the Big Lebowski, White Squall, and he was an Iron Man for all you nerds out there. Uh, this also has uh, Bruce uh, Boxelliner uh, from Breakaway, Cuffs, uh, Babylon 5. He was in the 2018 The Oath. Not that one. Not the other one. Not that one. Good call. <laughs> uh, Sydney Morgan's in this. You'll know her from Caddyshack and Falcon Crest. Dave Warner's in it. He's uh, He was in The Omen, uh, Time After Time, Time Bandits, Star Trek, Titanic, and Doctor Who. He is so creepy in this movie. He is pretty weird. All right, so let's talk about this one. So, so uh, this is basically, so Jeff Bridges' character, um, he's kind of like a, a computer hacker sort of type of guy. And uh, the company uh, he works for has developed this, uh, this new uh software or uh, product where basically they can go in and just basically like hack into other places and it'll go and basically kind of destroy other software and so uh, he goes in to try to stop that and he gets um in order to protect itself the computer zaps him into the game um and that's that's where uh, you know he meets Tron, you know the name of the movie Tron because that was his program, and uh, basically they fight the uh, the program uh, to uh, basically save the day. You know, it's typical uh, you know movie. Um, you know, this this movie would it happen today? I can see something like this happening today. That you know, this is not. Um, this was kind of a. Uh, back in the day, it was kind of a new concept, but nowadays, they make. There's a. I know there's a lot of animated uh, series where people get sucked into games, or they die and they come back to life in a video game or something like that. So, does it hold up? Absolutely, it does. You know, just because of that fact right there. And actually, I got a few little uh, fun facts about this movie. So, it was inspired by Pong and Alice in Wonderland interesting combination yeah i know you know the whole being sucked in and going down the rabbit hole that's alice in wonderland the whole video game aspect obviously pong because that was you know this is this is the 80s kids it's what we had video to play, games okay. they don't have video games like they did back then you know you couldn't bring up call of duty they had ping pong on a video game <laughs> um so uh a lot of the disney uh, animators didn't want to work on this because uh, they felt threatened by the potential of computers uh, basically making their jobs uh, obsolete, which basically it has. It has. There's still, you know, a lot of traditional things uh, that are used, um, you know, for animation and stuff like that. And also in film, like a great example is Star Wars. Uh, when the Emperor lands on the Death Star and he said, all those stormtroopers, that's painted. That's not, uh, you know, computer CGI. Um, also, uh, the director did not want to use guns. This was directed by Steven uh, Lindsberg. Uh, he didn't want to use guns because he felt if uh, kids were going to recreate, uh, recreate the scenes, the worst that they could happen is they get hit in the head by a Frisbee. Um, also, it was snubbed by the Academy uh, because uh, the Academy felt that um, using computers was cheating. Interesting. 
Yeah, and now you don't see very many computers that don't use computers. Nothing's done on film. Yeah. Everything's on computers. It's true. It's, you know, <laughs> to be snubbed because you used a computer to do something, that is crazy nowadays. There, this is a whole movie full of CGI. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> As most movies are today. Yeah. They you get know, nominated. Yeah. Uh, you know, also uh, with uh, the costuming, you know, th- this was like, people thought this was like so advanced, but basically it was like black light. That's all they used. They they hand sewed costumes. Um, and actually, um, what was really funny, so when, when the uh, Tron Legacy came out, uh, so on YouTube, there's a, a video called Tron Guy. Um, he got kicked out of the theater. Because he wore his Tron outfit and it was too bright. <laughs> he he was disturbing the other guests. Nope. Disturbing but, the peace. But does it hold up? Um, I would say yes, because uh, to you know this movie to make it today, I guarantee you, college kids could recreate this movie. How, how you know how it shot, especially because they use computers. Yeah, yeah. it's cheating. It's cheating. It's cheating. No, it's a great movie. It, is. it really is, and we we did we got another one. What was it? Two or three years ago? Yeah, and then and th- there's, a, there's an animated one. series, and then we're getting another one. I believe it just went into production, yeah. starring Jared Leto. Yes. So Tron's not going away anytime nope. soon. Uh, Disney has based two roller coasters on this movie. Yeah. That are terrifying if you're into that. So <laughs> uh, give them a watch on YouTube. But that's going to do it. So. I don't think that Ferris Bueller Day Off holds up, and Ryan thinks that Tron holds up, so that's the scoreboard for this one. Ryan, it's been a lot of fun, but uh, it's time to go. Yeah, but we got to talk about March. We got to talk. We always seem to, I always seem to let that kind of slide and forget about it. March 2nd, it is Forced Awaken. Here's what's going to happen we are going to watch all 12. Of the Star Wars cinematic releases, okay? Cinematic releases. And you might be thinking, oh, there's only 11 live action, but there's an animated one that was uh, the Clone Wars. They released the Clone Wars. It was an hour, 39 minutes long. So 28 hours and change. Yeah. We're going to sit and watch these movies. We're going to live stream the whole thing. And if you want to be a part of it, all you got to do is go on our Facebook page, go on our YouTube channel. You can comment. You can ask us questions. We're going to be talking trivia about all the movies, uh, just talking about the movies in general as we're watching them. But uh, the key to it all is that we have to stay awake Yeah, for 29 hours. Dave is in training. And I'm in training. Uh, we, we talked a little bit about this. Here's what's going to go down. If I can survive this one, the next one on my radar is the Marvel Universe. And that's three days worth of movies, okay? Without sleeping, okay? But what we are really and truly building up is in 2025, summer of 2025, I have already filed paperwork to break the Guinness World Records of watching a movie in a cinema or movie theater setting. And I have submitted that I I will be doing 125 hours. That's five days with no sleep. I've got people that are willing to be that are behind me on this. They're going to help me train during all this. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how we do all that. But the one we're worried about right now, March 2nd, is coming up really quickly. Hop on our YouTube page and subscribe to it. And then we, you will get all the information that's coming when we release it, as well as our Facebook page, Dave and Ryan's Movie Review. Watch there, and you can watch the stream. 
You can comment. You can ask questions, everything. And uh, we're really looking forward to this one. It's going to be a lot of fun. Ryan, have a good weekend. Oh, I will. Enjoy what's left of it. Yay. Yay. And that brings us to the end of this week's journey. But don't worry. Dave and Ryan have more movies to watch and more opinions to spew next week. You can relive today's episode at CastleCountryRadio.com. Thanks for joining us on Ryan and Dave's Movie Review. Ah, the hell with it. Send it in, we're done. See you next week. <laughs>